0: hi everyone it's roger here from what's on at disney plus and in this episode we're going to be doing something a little bit different because i'm going to be bringing in josh who we've got a special guest today um to talk about bluey so i'm going to pass this one over to josh um so here we go thanks roger
1: uh hey this is josh thrilled to be with you guys and uh, we're going to be talking today about bluey the huge international hit show uh out of australia and so to kind of have a great discussion about it to have sort of go beyond the surface about it we've actually brought in The co-host of gotta be done which is the original bluey podcast uh mary mary thrilled to have you with
2: us thanks thanks so much josh lovely to be here g'day roger and yeah always happy to talk about bluey
1: (laughs) (laughs) what's fun about bluey is now that we've all seen a little bit of it uh mary and i with our kids have seen quite a lot of it and i know roger has recently engaged with it uh is this is something for everyone in a sense. The, the comedy of it, uh, I think it was recently put on the, the top 100 sitcoms list from Rolling Stone uh, that this is something that everyone relates to and really enjoys. And it's a very, even though it's these little eight minute episodes, very different. And, and uh, there's a lot going on be, uh, underneath the surface of this show. And so I don't know, Mary, as an intro, what you know, most people might expect this to be just like a Disney Junior show. How would you might say this is unique uh, you know, uh. from other kids' shows?
2: Wow, where to start? Look, um, Josh, I used to say it was, its you know, it was different because parents could actually sit down and watch it and not just want to die. Um, but now I think actually it's more than that. Bluey will change your life. And that is just because this tiny little show about a family of dogs just packs in so much a heart and um yeah, just really honest storytelling um about what family life is like. It's not it's not those classic stories of oh, you know, someone's forgotten your birthday and just stress about it all day. It's not it's not though, you know, anyone who's watched kids TV could probably rattle off a hundred of them, but uh, Bluey is so original. And yeah, as you said, I'm talking to you from Australia today. It is also so Australian, which We love here, but I think that's actually become um, something the world really loves about it, too.
1: It's really true. And I know you've gotten to speak to a number of the people involved in the show, Joe Brum, a couple of times, the show creator. Um, And I see that you've got the show protagonists there, uh, right there with you, uh, Bluey and Bingo
2: who are (laughs) well actually uh, I'll pull you up Josh because it's not Bluey and Bingo it's Bandit and Chili who are the parents okay (laughs) uh, yeah yeah which um, is a bit less predictable but yeah really just driving home that point that it's for the parents as well the the team who designed Bluey um, designed it as co-viewing they call it and similar to a Pixar or something like that even though it's very kid-friendly. They're hoping that grown-ups will watch it too. And here we are.
1: I think that point you made about how it's written is so important because it it, it isn't about memorizing letters or numbers or even some kind of high-handed moral lesson. You know, that's what a lot of these shows out there have. They're, the the dog gets lost or, you know, something like that. It's, you know, it is this interesting kind of celebration of sort of that parent-child relationship to me. It's also about just the wonder of of how kids think you know and how they operate uh, it's there's just a, a natural and organic feel to it that is is so different than none of the shows you see
2: yeah definitely um yeah in some episodes they don't go beyond the front seats of their local takeaway and all the action just happens in that tiny little location but but it's um yeah, kids having to entertain themselves. It's parents having to deal with kids. It's um so much of life just gets captured in those little scenes.
1: Well, we have mentioned a few of the names of the characters. I know people. A lot of people might know, for instance, just him as Bluey's dad, you know, or Bluey's mom. But I'm I know throughout this we may be talking about Bandit and Chili. so people should know that. And then of course that so we have kids and and we'll, that we'll refer to. Uh, I've got a one-year-old and a three-year-old. Uh, how, how old are your kids, Mary?
2: So mine these days are five and three. But when Bluey first landed and when we started the podcast, we were exactly where you were, Josh. Um, well, actually, just just about to turn three and um, and just four months actually. So, yeah, and we were we were into Bluey from the get-go. But now at five and three. Um, they're nearly the age of Bluey and Bingo because Bluey and Bingo in the season when the series starts are six and four um so yeah that's watching my kids grow up through the lens of what Bluey and Bingo are doing and um yeah drawing the comparisons and sometimes the comparisons aren't that flattering it's uh <laughs> it's been very educational but what do your kids love about it most Josh
1: I see them repeat the games. You know, we've actually gotten certainly into games like Keepy Uppy with the balloon, uh, which is I know a typical kid's game, but the way it's taken in the show is just so outrageously fun. Um, you know, magic xylophone, other things like that. He is just so into it. And I will say, actually, he's about to turn three, so he's not quite there yet. It's in it's in March, so we have a little bit a little ways to go. But um, you know, they they uh, they certainly love the the bright. Co- I think the younger one, you know, who just turned one, that she loves the the bright colors and The music, you know, the theme comes on, and they just want to dance, and and they get so excited. But, you know, there is, you know, just uh, I think stuff they can relate to in it. I think they, you know, see the characters, they see them discovering the wonder of it, the humor of it. You know, the kids' laughs are just like, you know, they they're just so natural. They don't they don't feel acted. And and I know that that's one of the interesting things about behind the scenes of this show is that they don't talk about the child actors uh, who they have on the show. If you would want to explain that a little bit, um, I know that they it sounds like they have a mix of both everyday kids and then some who are professional actors.
2: Yeah, yep, that you've got that exactly right, Josh. Um, yeah, ever since Bluey launched, and you'll see in the credits of every episode, they'll credit um, Bandit and Chili. and those are both um, some relatively high-profile um, people here in Australia. Bandit is actually uh, Dave McCormack, who in his former life was a rock star, well, still is a rock star. He fronts an Australian band called Custard and um and Melanie Zanetti is amazing as Chilli and has a huge career in the US and all over the world um but the kids yeah have never been um yeah never been named and i think that's part of the really kind of um family family friendly but also careful and thoughtful approach that the bluey team have taken as they've built this you know what started as a small show and has become a juggernaut that they didn't want, and um, they didn't want child star syndrome, perhaps, or uh, they, you know, using very young kids to voice the show, and they didn't want to disrupt their lives. Um, so yeah, those we no one um, outside of Ludo knows who the kid, the child actors are, but um, but yeah, they've they've said they're even within the family of the production team at Ludo. Um, so it's all very in-house. And it's it's a real family affair, the show, because you mentioned the creator, Joe Brum. Even his uh, younger brother, um, Dan Brum, does all the sound on Bluey and plays uh, Bandit's younger brother, Stripe, which is a really fun role. Um, and I think he's a, yeah, perennial favourite. Um, and then even and Joe Brum's mum as well, Chris, plays Bluey and Bingo's nana or grandma in the show. So... <laughs> Um, you get that sense watching it of just how important family is to the creators of Bluey, and I think that's what's informed that decision about the kids too.
1: And I know they don't name the kid actors, but you think perhaps maybe it is one of the Brums' daughters, or, or that they're involved. You would think.
2: Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I don't know when when that will ever be revealed. Yeah. I guess, uh, but yeah, it's it's um, it's interesting to think about
1: you you mentioned Ludo Studio and so i want to give people an understanding that this is not the typical disney junior show this was acquired by disney to show up on disney plus uh, and and it is produced in australia by as you mentioned ludo studio uh who what is which was created by joe brum and is really this is the first production of that studio if i'm not mistaken right i mean it's it's interesting to me how uh so much of this show to me feels a little bit autobi- autobiographical regarding joe and his wife and their family and i know that he, he wouldn't say that. He's like, hey, I'm not the perfect father. I'm not Bandit, <laughs> you know, because Bandit is this kind of model dad for a lot of dads, uh, you know, that, but he uh, he he they he lived in the UK, which if you know the, the show well enough, you know that, you know, there's a, an aspect of the two, the mom and dad characters kind of, you know, it sounds like dating and having a time in England and all this of when they really met. And, uh, and then, you know, that he, upon... You know, working in animation out in, in England for a while, moved back to Australia, and that there was a an aspect of him. You know, the the, the show and, and starting the studio was really a big part of that. Is that is that correct, Mary?
2: Yeah, that, look, that's absolutely it. And um, I think starting the studio and um, Joe Brum's studio is called Studio Joho. and um, yeah, then this this idea he, he's got picked up by the Ludo team, who had already done some um. Child animation things, but yeah, but definitely, I think um, Bluey came into being because he, he and um, his wife had had their two little girls, and they were um, sort of yeah working like being inspired by that, but also looking to what to create next. And um, Bluey came out of that really, uh, I guess, what can be a pretty, um, pretty vulnerable but also inspiring time for a lot of parents. <laughs> <laughs> but mainly sleep deprived,
1: possibly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and certainly this idea of the games being the center of the show that that does come in a lot of ways from his daughters, um, which is is really interesting. He says, "I just, you know, you can see him in so many interviews." There was just a very good feature that that was published in the Independent uh, that is worth uh, seeking out. But uh, where he says, "You know, hey, I, I I was up early with my girls. You know, we were they were playing these random games, and kids don't even always know how something like a cafe runs." You know, and uh, and so they were just inventing kind of their own rules and their own you know process of how things flow, and that in itself is just so ridiculous. It's fun. It's you, you get to see how kids' brains work in a sense, and uh, just sort of that celebration of play. And that there's a lot of even research about play that goes on uh, in this show. Uh, could you comment on that, Mary?
2: Yeah, look, that's, um, I think you've nailed it there, Josh. That's, um, yeah, how Joe Brum has talked about this show again and again. And then it is also just what so many parents who watch Connect to, like like you say, the kids. Um, yeah, the kids in our house, um, you, you go to any park in Australia and you will find kids playing go away, come back on the swings or playing, setting up a cafe or doing things that are just, uh, you know, there's, just enough similarities that you're like, okay, these kids watch Bluey. Um, But the play being so front and centre in uh, the Bluey episodes um, also I think is kind of what a lot of what we talk about on Got To Be Done is um, that what we're seeing our kids kick up and take further as well. And that's kind of the message of um, so many of the Bluey episodes. The game gets taken further and further as they challenge themselves or as they overcome adversity or think differently. Um, And, yeah, I think people who are watching Bluey closely enough are seeing that play out as well. And, yeah, Kate and uh, my co-host Kate McMahon and I kind of just sit back and wonder, well, we notice all this now, but would we have noticed it if it wasn't for Bluey and Joe Brum noticing it, noticing it in the first place? And don't know the answer, but we're very grateful he did notice in the first place.
1: Hmm. That's cool. It's about noticing your kids and, and having that stronger bond with them. That's That's beautiful uh well i do want to ask about a few favorite episodes and uh roger pull you in as well what because you you're not nearly as versed in this as we
0: are um yeah (laughs) (laughs) i've I've, I've been watching some episodes um the last few weeks and i think i mean i've been sort of following um sort of bluey for a while because it's been so like popular stuff so it's kind of interesting hearing it from a completely different angle really uh from parents and stuff and yeah i mean it was like like you're saying, like all like the, the difference in sort of how this is just, I mean, it's just blown up on Disney Plus Um with, I mean, it's like been like the, the, the in the top 10 shows in the US, for like the last four weeks. So yeah, literally like the episodes and stuff. I I mean, I just watched the few that um, Josh recommended to me, but yes, yeah, so I'd love to hear kind of what one's you know families and stuff should be looking out for.
1: Yeah, so I would say that my favorite, one uh, well, of a few of them, um, and I hope that people watch, you know, all of it. It is worth seeing as a family. This is a, a groundbreaking show. Um, but I would say Bike from the first season is just a phenomenal show. It's one I always use to introduce Bluey to to people because it's just, there's so much going on in that episode, and it's just it's just great to show you the different perspective of of how I think that there's some teaching going on. Uh, it is very intentionally not a teaching show. But uh, there's there's some interesting observations that Joe is making through these stories uh, and his team, of course, uh, that are coming together. Uh, I love in the second season, Daddy Drop Off and, uh, you know, a Sleepy Time is the animation in that is just next level. They really stretch themselves of what they were doing animation wise. And also, I know Flat Pack is, is a big favorite in season two. Um, you know, Mary, these are all like I know children to you, you know, these episodes so well, you guys, you guys review them over, you know, a half hour or something to to go through the details of them. Um, So what, what would you say in terms of some of the ones that stand out to you?
2: Uh, Well, uh, I'm so glad you mentioned bike. Um, Bike was the first episode I ever saw way back at the end of 2018. And that one, it's, it's a very simple playground story of a bunch of kids all just striving to do something they can't quite do yet but what really makes the episode shine I think is two things um one that Bandit as a parent is barely in this episode he just kind of sits back does a bit of you can do it um without interfering and um to me and probably all the helicopter parents out there it was a bit of a uh a steep learning curve to go, oh, that that's a way to parent and actually in the episode it works out quite well. Um, but the other thing in this episode and in every Bluey episode is the score. So Bluey has a dedicated um, music composer who is Joff uh, Bush, who's a Brisbane-based composer over here. And this particular episode, Bike, takes uh, Ode to Joy, so Beethoven's uh seventh maybe, uh, definitely a number, um, and starts just with a little, like the sound of a little kid practising the piano, just a few kind of plinking notes and builds up into the most amazing, heart-wrenching and you will cry kind of score. And um, that for me just, yeah, I was transported by that episode. I've been hooked on Bluey ever since, but it's also made me, every episode of Got To Be Done, we do, we really deep dive the score i i have no musical knowledge but uh my co-host kate does and between us yeah we work out exactly why a piece of music in that's backing some animated dogs um makes us cry probably seven out of ten times <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah and the other episodes that do that definitely sleepy time um Definitely Flat Pack, uh, which is an original score. Sleepy Time has The um, the Planets as the score, um, Gustav Holst. Um, but, yeah, I'm trying to think of a episode to recommend if you don't want to cry. And I think probably the perfect one to start with is Takeaway from Season 1, which is just the story of Bandit going to pick up his Chinese takeaway with the girls and the chaos that ensues Um That episode's been compared to an episode of Seinfeld um, in that just the the level of chaos upon chaos and hilarity upon hilarity that it builds. And, yeah, anyone who uh, isn't keen to start with crying when they watch Bluey, I think that's a really good place to start.
1: Yeah, the music, there's so much thought and care put into the music, and I think it's one more example of how this is not the typical kind of uh, Disney Plus show in terms of just the detail of it. I know that this, there are some great Disney Plus things, but I just, you know, uh, I, in terms of Disney Junior and and what goes on uh, in that particular realm, I, I think there is just so much put into this that is, that is uh, you know, extremely thoughtful. Um, and so many classic pieces, you know, even your kids are just getting familiar sometimes with Mozart and with you know a lot of these, uh, you know Beethoven et cetera, these great composers. Uh, you know just through the the soundtrack, so that is that is fascinating in and of itself. Um, you know, do you would you um draw any uh, parallels? I think between you know even more so between Joe and and the you know the characters there. I think about for instance the char- the uh, the episode fancy restaurant. Which d- does get a little bit into their story and autobiographical a bit. Um, you know, do you think that there are uh, some other little things people might not notice uh, about uh, him? And, and I know you've now seen you know bits of season three, which the rest of us haven't gotten to yet, um, and that maybe gets further into you know some details about his his life and family.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I I, one, I do wonder, and I don't know the answer if when um, Joe Brum and the Ludo team set out. To create Bluey, they had the parents as much in mind at the start as they do now. But I think, you know, in this technical, uh, you know, digital age when everyone's online, um, as it became obvious that parents were watching, parents had a lot of questions that weren't about the kids at all and were about, uh, yeah, what, what's Bandit's story? What's what? Why is Chili such a good mum? How did they get to this point? Where did they learn to play? Um, and, yeah, I think the, like you say, Fancy Restaurant is a great episode that kind of hints at how hard it is to keep romance alive when you're a parent. It's uh, very safe for work still. But, um, but yeah, hilariously the girls get involved in trying to um, set Bandit and Chili up on a date in the playroom. Um, and, yeah, season three brings a lot more of that home as well. We get um a flashback episode uh called Fairy Tale that actually we get to see Bandit as a um as a very colourful 10-year-old and oh, maybe eight year old, but anyway, yeah, back in the 80s and its parents will be in stitches watching that. I think um it's a very Australian 80s, but I think there's relatable stuff in there no matter no matter where you were in the 80s, if you can remember it. Um, yeah, so that kind of um, thing, I think that and they, so much is packed into those episodes when either it's a flashback or when there's some chat between um, Bandit and Chili, for instance. There was an episode where uh, some parents were sitting around on a rug as the kids played and there was just a couple throwaway lines that made it clear they were watching Stranger Things and, like, debriefing on that. Um, so yeah, there's stuff in there for parents that goes whoosh over the kids' heads, but, um, but gives then real parents in the for real life playground, something to connect over and that, did you see that on Bluey? Um, and yeah, that, I think they're very committed to giving the parents what they want, um, which, yeah, we couldn't be more happy about. It got to be done because it's what we want (laughs) to
1: And it is a very fun uh, podcast. I do hope people do check it out because it's it's there. You guys go in depth on a lot of things. And you do, I know that you got to interview, for instance, Geoff Bush, who you just mentioned as well, uh, the music composer, who who really gives you some great details of, uh, of, of the show. You talk about parenting. And I think there is a lot of debate and discussion around uh, parenting philosophy and ideas that are in this show. Um, some people, for instance, would see uh, Bandit and Chile as these kind of unattainable parents that they're able to to spend all this time playing with their kids and you know just kind of engage in the midst of this pandemic, of course, that we've all been in, uh, that they have this it seems endless amount of energy and time uh, you know, to, to engage at that level. So I don't know. I don't think that criticism is necessarily fair, um, but uh, it, it is interesting to me. I think there are a few episodes where, as a dad, I, I feel like okay, this may be going a bit too far in in the level of kind of. You know, I don't know if you want to say disrespect, but just sort of, you know, I mean, at, at the grocery store, I think, where they're kind of treating him as a child. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where I, I did an article that was like, hey, five life lessons from Bluey. Here's a couple to ignore, you know, because it, <laughs> it because it it was kind of like, you know, there just isn't an understanding of the of those uh, the differences. You know, maybe I'm being too uptight about it, but I'm just like, you know, I don't you know, I it's it, uh, I do think there's maybe a point when play can go too far. Maybe they, you know, maybe I'm just being uptight about it, but you know, what would you comment on just the whole, all that parenting discussion that's around the show? It is, it is, there's a lot going on there.
2: Look, it, it definitely highlights that. um Yeah. Everyone parents differently. I think, I think kind of Bluey has a very clear jumping off point. That's just, yeah, if you're going to watch Bluey, you've got to accept as a base that um, kids are naturally cheeky <laughs> and it is the cheekiness of Bluey and Bingo that drives so much of the games. And you're right, in, in a lot of games it's actually Bandit and Chilly kind of enabling that or, or even pushing it further, sometimes shepherding it in a different direction and it's always kind and... Um, Yeah, there's a great episode called Teasing, which establishes that the whole family do like to tease each other a bit, but they also explores the boundaries of how you can tease without, um, yeah, without being upsetting and without being unkind. And I think it's, I think it's real world to me, um, Josh, that, yeah, there's, it's, your kids are picking these sort of things up from either the playground or um, or kinder or uh, heaven forbid their own parents, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I think uh, yeah, I think Bluey's holding up a mirror more than um, giving kids permission. But that said, there are some very cheeky catchphrases in Bluey, which uh, I've occasionally put my head in my hands and gone, "Oh, I'm going to be hearing this one for months." <laughs> and yes, I have been.
0: I was just going to say, um, do you think there's some cultural differences, obviously, like with it being an Australian show, with like what maybe like like with how Americans are looking at it? Because um, I mean, I know I mean there was reports of certain words like "dunny" and "brekkie" and stuff like that being picked up by American kids. Now, as someone that's grown up on like Home and Away and Neighbours, I'm kind of already used to Australian, television. you know. That's kind of been ingrained in me since a kid. But do you think that's had an impact on it?
2: Yeah, that, that's a really good point, Roger. Uh, I think it's been, um, yeah. It's in a way, it's almost made people more interested because, for instance, you know, the the American families sitting down to watch it, their parents like, well what does that actually mean it prompts the google um if if it's that strange and there are some pretty strange concepts a bin chicken is a recurring theme which is actually an australian bird that um called an ibis that you find in most cities just uh, picking scraps out of the bin uh so yeah a lot of american chat about bin chickens in the last couple of years which has been delightful and kind of disturbing to read um
0: yeah i was gonna say i yet- remember seeing, seeing some of them in the park at sydney for the first time and literally was just like i thought i was in a zoo i was like i've never seen anything like this <laughs> <laughs> it was just like like what is that thing <laughs>
2: Uh, they they almost look like miniature dinosaurs, so they are very worth noticing. But yeah, um, I had like off the back of Bluey, I had the experience of um, uh, a friend had been to a zoo and was showing my little boy the photos of the zoo, and oh yeah, here's the elephants and here's the giraffe, and he just suddenly stops dead in He's like bin chicken, and you know up there on top of like you know one of the animal shelters, there's a tiny bin chicken in the background, and that's the highlight of all these amazing animals at the zoo that he's actually gotten to spot a bin chicken. So, you know, yeah, the, I think the um the cultural interest is justified because we are a pretty weird mob down here. Um, And yeah, Bluey, Bluey's pretty proud of that. Mm. I think it's, it's never going to shy away from that. <laughs> you,
1: uh, the episode bin night is, it really uh, plays on that a little bit too, because it's, you know, we, we call it maybe garbage can or garbage bin here, but it's, that whole idea of this is this is just the bin but it, it that episode is has so it's such a great episode as well i think that illustrates what they're doing goes beyond the surface because it's like it's this routine of them putting out the garbage bin you know once a week or Uh, or so and it and the recycling as well on the different day of the week and you know it it, he's though bandit is having the conversations with the two girls as they're going out and then the next morning as the as the garbage man comes the mother is on the on the porch and having the conversations with the kids and it's this whole advance of a story in that normal routine of family life and it's just it's just such a brilliant uh you know i think plot device to to kind of uh, bring you into their world the kids
0: I was just gonna say it kind of sounds, yeah, definitely that like kind of Seinfeld of a show about nothing kind of thing of just taking something very basic and just turning it into something, and you know that we all do, you know, we all have to do that every week. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, Mary, as as groundbreaking
1: as the show is, you know, some observers have criticized uh, perhaps a lack of representation. You know that uh, you know you you do see this very idealized, you might say, upper middle class lifestyle that they have. And, you know, that there is an aspect of maybe characters with physical disabilities we haven't seen very often or even, you know, as many single parent families. There's been maybe a few. But um, how would you respond to as a big fan of the show to that sort of criticism that's out there?
2: That's a good question. Um, I, look, I, I have no background in TV creation or animation or anything like that. Um, and I definitely can sympathise I guess with the Ludo team that you've it is so much work goes into creating each seven minute episode to have the plot to have you know the music and the drama and everything that wraps people up in it um I guess yeah to then work out well how do we then tick off a list of all the other things we should be representing um I'm yet to see anyone say, I don't feel represent, like I feel like Bluey doesn't represent me, um, which I think is telling. Like certainly uh, where we live, my boys um, go to a daycare that's very multicultural and, uh, yeah, every little kid there is proudly wearing their Bluey wear and that's nothing to do with me. I'm not handing it out, although that's occurred to me before. Um, But, no, it's really... Being um, very, I think the, I'm obviously saying this as a white middle class person, but the messages that relate to both how kids play and also the uh, the full onness of parenting, I think, is probably relatable uh, across the board. And yeah, there's you know we're only in season three. There's obviously a lot of room to grow storylines and characters and all those kinds of things. But um I think I think the show has a very good basis to build from. And, you know, in terms of what's already out there in the kids' world as well, uh at least, you know, at least it's not an unsupervised child uh running around with 10 dogs and rescuing mares like it's i feel like it's got a pretty good handle on the real world compared to most
1: that's it yes that's a very good point it's a very good point well you've uh given a few hints towards season three i'd love to hear a little bit more about it uh we're uh i think my guess this is just me speculating and seeing some past drops that they've done on disney plus but i think that maybe perhaps by the fall we might see i uh, season three start to trickle into Disney Plus, you know, worldwide. Uh, I know that of the 52 episodes of season three, that 26, I believe, have aired already in Australia. So, um, but yeah, I, 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 you know, I think there are some questions out there that people are interested in uh, from past episodes. And maybe it's probably more parents than kids. Um, but, you know, <laughs> oh, for instance, you had the episode that was double babysitter that dealt with a an uncle and uh, their normal babysitter who both ended up, you know, coming over. To, to babysit on the same night, and then it, they kind of strike up a friendship, and their relationship seems to go from there. Uh, you know, those two characters. Yes. Uh, so, you know, what can we expect to see in season three? Is there, uh, you know, are there uh, some furthering okay. of those characters?
2: Well, look, everyone loves romance. So let's start with that up front. So, <laughs> those characters are rad and frisky. And, um, you got, and yeah, there's the final episode of um, season. Two, I think, was Christmas Swim. Have you had that in yes. the US yet? Yeah, yep. okay. So, so yeah, that as you say, that kicks along their relationship a bit there on holidays in Bali uh, by the time Christmas Swim uh, appears. But, uh, yeah, brace your hearts. Um, the first 26 episodes of season three don't actually revisit that relationship. Uh, but last time we spoke to Joe Brum, he said he was working on. A wedding episode and was very keen to explore what a you know classic Australian wedding might look like which <laughs> in my mind a classic Australian wedding can look uh like a pretty uh, messy affair so I'm looking forward to seeing what he means by that um He didn't say who's wedding, but I'm, yeah, I think everyone's got their fingers crossed. It might be, uh, might be Bluey, uh, might be (laughs) rad and frisky and maybe Bluey and Bingo might even get like a turnout as the flower girls or something.
1: And uh, I guess other aspects, I know that, you know, maybe we're going to learn some more about Bandit and Chilly in terms of what they do. And, but uh, is it going to be, is it a lot of what we expect and what we love about the show? Uh,
2: Look, if... These latest 26 episodes, I think um, I think people will enjoy, like you're gonna love them. Um, but I think people will enjoy seeing Bandit and Chili maybe not at their best. Uh, because as you say, you know, they're held up as these perfect parenting role models. And that's, you know, been true to more or less of an extent. They certainly have their moments of uh frustration. Um, but yeah, the frustration maybe goes a bit deeper um, in this season three, uh, when, when gotta be done interviewed Melanie Zanetti, who plays Chile. I asked about that and said, oh, you know, is, is it just getting a bit more stressful in the healer house? Is it, is it pandemic life? Are they just, yeah, feeling, feeling all the feels a bit more. And, um, Melanie had a good answer that just, no, it's just life is hard. And, the show is being vulnerable about that. It's actually, you know, Ted Lasso style. It's actually owning the fact that, well, you know, p- people deal with hard things and then actually, you know, the episodes never end on a downer. They they manage to deal with whatever the challenges are. And, um, yeah, to my mind that's a handy handy equipment to have uh, for parenting in real life as well.
1: That's tremendous. Well, there have been rumors, of course, of a bluey feature film over the years uh, that have been circulating. Um, but I know as well that they've done even a stage show out in Australia. And I assume you've seen that. And I- I'd love to hear your thoughts on that as well. But then maybe the possibility of of, of, a, of a larger production that might be coming.
2: Absolutely. So the stage show is amazing. It got very um, pandemicified, I guess. <laughs> there was a lot of toing and froing and waiting and people holding onto their tickets and wondering would they ever see it. But, um, yeah, it's been touring um, since uh, probably December last year now, um, going around pandemic hotspots um, in Australia. And, yeah, it's amazing. It's a collaboration with a theatre company that um, created these giant puppets um, and it's the voices of the original actors and the puppets are moved on stage by um, by these energetic, uh, hilarious puppeteers. And it's just, it really is the most bluey thing you could ever see. It's beautiful. Bin chickens appear. Um, so does a long dog, which we haven't touched on, but a long dog for anyone who's been watching Bluey and wants to uh, go back and start again at the start is a tiny little sausage dog Toy that's hidden in every episode, so um, an Easter egg that you can track down. Uh, you have to watch pretty closely to find it in some episodes, but yep, yeah, it'll it'll add layers to your Bluey watching experience. <laughs> and um, yeah, the stage show is great. Haven't heard any more on the movie though. I'm afraid, Josh. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. Um, it was probably back in 2019 that first whispers came of it, um, but then since then. Uh, Joe Brum has told us it's yeah they just decided that the age group that Bluey's targeted at the um the two to six year olds don't have feature length movie attention spans which I feel like coming out of pandemic they might actually <laughs> with all that uh, Disney plus viewing so perhaps it's time to revisit that but uh yeah nothing yeah. firm I'm afraid.
1: Yeah we need to Clue him into the results from Paw Patrol, the movie, and uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. for the big red dog that my kids loved. You know, oh and they, they they really enjoyed that. So I I do hope it somewhat sometimes happen. I also know that the format is is so unique, and I assume though that maybe the stage show proves that a longer form thing can work. Yeah, with these well, characters.
2: the stage show is forty four minutes, so yeah, that was amazing to have that much bluey happening all at once. But uh. <laughs> Yeah, watching watching these giant puppets play keepy uppy, or you know, who on in as the grannies in their little granny car. Um, yeah, definitely had just a whole just yeah is delighting auditoriums all around the country. I can assure you. Yeah,
1: you know they've they've put out Hamilton as a live stage show, I, and and it it appeared to do pretty well. I I think you know they should really try to get this filmed.
2: Yes. Know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's a good thought. Um, i think that'd be definitely a bit different
1: (laughs) (laughs) it may not have the same quite level of appeal all right but Uh, you know maybe
2: maybe they could just redo the soundtrack with with some hip-hop and then it'll be straight in there there you go (laughs)
1: lin-manuel miranda i'm sure he'd be up for it but you know uh (laughs) well it's uh i think this has been really great uh mary to have this much time with you uh roger i don't know if you had thoughts on you know the, the the you know, the whole conversation here and...
0: Yeah, because it's kind of, it's it's interesting as well, kind of hearing it from like, from the parents' point of view as well, of how it all works and kind of, the fact that you guys are enjoying it is great because obviously, you know, generally like with kids shows, you know, they just, you know, you you get bored of watching the same episode over and over again and, and you know, it's like Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, all these kind of shows just continue to be watched on Disney Plus and so, yeah, just it's great hearing adults enjoying it, which I think definitely obviously having an impact on it. But also this kind of whole thing of just being different seems to be the key thing of it being a little bit different than what, what we're used to seeing and that seems to really kind of struck that chord
1: yeah i think that australian cultural really calling that out i mean he says we, we never try to hide the australianness of the show and i think that that really comes through the the language the little eccentricities and and you know cultural things that are there they really they really do draw you in um is uh, you, it, there was a little hint in the independent article, Mary, that you know perhaps Joe, you know, says he's a little bit bored, or or he's he wants to move on past the show, that he wants to do adult animation. I thought that was an interesting kind of thing from the creator of the show. Um, you know, I'm, for instance, if you look at like SpongeBob SquarePants and where that went uh, in, in animation, I think the first four seasons were one, run by the creator, and then past that point. You know, they, the creator moved on to other things and it honestly, you know, it did lose something of its, of its center. I feel like, uh, after that point and, and he came back, I think a little bit, and then you saw some of the same humor, but what would you say about when you hear Joe say, well, I'm maybe wanting to do a more Simpson style type show. And I hope that he does gets to have the full creative, you know, freedom to do what he wants to do because he's brilliant. And I I want to hear more stories from him at any level. But I, I do think Bluey fans would think, oh, is this is this gonna you know leave us out to dry a little bit?
2: Oh. <laughs> got, I think I'm tearing up just thinking about it. But look, it's it's a really good question. It's there hasn't been other writers on Bluey so far. Maybe maybe like two or three episodes have had another writer come in with Joe. So I think it's something that um he definitely you know feels like he's writing every episode it's a huge job to do and i think he said publicly before yeah if you know if he and the ludo team weren't having fun anymore bluey wouldn't wouldn't exist like it's it's a passion project but that passion needs to be there i think he made the point in the article that um the part of the frustration uh, or the the appeal of doing adult stuff again is that doing kid stuff is so policed and even from bluey season one to bluey season two there were subtle changes that we noticed on the podcast for instance that um, in season one, the girls had a certain type of seatbelt that only went, you know, from one shoulder down to the hip. And in Australia, uh, actually you're meant to have like a full harness until you're over six, which is, you know, so the girls weren't in the right seatbelts and this was clearly pointed out and they had to amend that and, um, get the girls being safe for, you know, this, this seven minute kids show. So, those expectations and what people notice um, and, you know, won't someone think of the children obviously looms very large when you're creating kids' content. Um, this might be interesting to uh, Disney Plus fans that, yeah, before um, before Bluey, Joe's studio, Studio Joho did um, a bit of content for College Humour over in the US, including um, a couple uh Animated shorts that went quite viral. One of them was called Tinderella, which you might have seen, and it was the Cinderella story, but um but the the princess, you know, swiping left and right, and um, yeah, her attempts at romance in the crowded bar to find her prince uh, very funny and worth worth looking up. it's still on YouTube. um, and the other one was uh, the other one that did hugely well was um the alternate ending of do you know Pixar's the Paper Man where yeah. the guy's making paper planes? Yeah. And that um that alternate ending uh yeah turns um the paper into a third character with uh dubious intentions. So so yeah there's like obviously children's content can uh can be played very well for adult audiences and yeah uh you can't get away with as much in the kids world so um yeah appropriately i guess but uh, look i don't know the answer to what will happen to bluey if um if joe walks away but yeah i am I really hope it keeps going because it it could go forever. Yeah, I want my children's children to be watching new episodes of Bluey.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because that was a kind of a question of like, do you think it in some ways like a generation of like uh, the next batch of kids might be into something else? And therefore, and uh, I mean, from the creator's point of view, you know, you might be getting that thing of like, you know, just doing the same thing over and over, and just running out of ideas. But I did want to know, like whether or not, like, because you see it, like, um, like with so many different shows, like the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, Roadhouse, The, Road, how, the Road to Racers, kind of in some ways, the next generation of kids want something fresh for them.
1: Yeah, I I would say perhaps so. I just knowing kids' entertainment pretty well. I I don't know. I I think. One thing about Bluey is that the seasons are 52 episodes, and that is a rarity in this space. I think to have that many, and of course, it's one per week is the intention. But it, uh, I think, for them to get an order like that, that's that keeps them busy, you know, for a full year and a half plus. You know, I think getting it done in terms of the scripting, in terms of that whole process of, of production that they do, you uh, know, which is largely obviously done in Australia. So I, I could, you know, I, I could see them moving on. Maybe pe- who knows if it'll go five six plus seasons i hope that you know it, it goes as long as, as they feel it's right i i do think that you have the issue of sometimes shows being sustained past the point when they're great and so i do think that there's an aspect of quality and excellence to to the brand and uh you know uh we're all familiar for instance with the disney directed to video sequels i mean they did like you know bambi 2 and stuff like that that you know uh and some of these that just didn't have any business being made but it was all for the quick buck. And so I have appreciated that there's been, even though Bluey is a global phenomenon, that it's right now, you know, I think they said at the toy license, uh, you know, show that it's it's saying this could be the number one, you know, kind of toy license uh, worldwide. So it's, it's not like this isn't being exploited. And, and by the way, people might assume that is gonna show up in the Disney parks. Um, this is not a Disney owned character. So they should know that, that this is a little bit different. I don't think they have that license figured out yet. Uh, you know, for the, for the theme parks. And regardless, it's not a Disney-owned uh, character. So this is something they've brought in. And I don't, even, I don't even know how long, frankly, the license with BBC is, you know, for the show. If ever this show left Disney Plus, I mean, you would, you, you know, you, the, the weeping and gnashing of teeth, you know, that would be out there <laughs> <laughs> would be uh, quite significant. So I hope that Disney does lock this up for, you know, many, many, many years to come in terms of it being on on their service. But um, I don't know, any, any thoughts on all that, uh, Mary?
2: Oh, where to start? Um, <laughs> look, yeah, I so the season, so we're in season three, as we've talked about in Australia. Um, yeah, season four hasn't been commissioned, um, and I think it's usually one season ends before the next one gets, comm- oh, actually, no, I think previously, um, yeah, the next one's been commissioned before the previous season ends. So they've still got, you know, probably, at least six months before that, ha- before the second half of that season is out, and where um, and yet yeah, we're at well, will they or won't they? Kind of time. Um, probably another question of will they or won't they? Um, and and how and the logistics of making it work. Also, um, Josh, I don't know if you've read about this, but uh, because the girls' voices are so distinctive and they're obviously young kids how to manage seasons and seasons as their voices get older, uh, whether like a Peppa Pig, you can switch in another voice actor and hope no one makes too much of a fuss or um, or you just get the kids to act down, which I guess you can't do forever. But, yeah, that's um, I heard uh, Joe Brum interviewed on that and he didn't really have the answer. Like it's something that's still very front of mind as well. We we need to work this out. And, yeah, it's um. Just one of life's challenges, I guess. That kids grow up <laughs> definitely well, I mean, a definitely a theme that fits Bluey.
0: <laughs> well, I was like, kind, of, kind of fits a lot in with like the Disney Channel shows because there's so many of them. Obviously, you know, they start out younger and they've only really got like a couple of years really to film them. And so I know like mm. when they like, get cancelled, a load of people will be like, "Why well, they cancelled? I love it!" And it's like, well, they, they like they're eighteen, 19. <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah, yeah. laughs> you know, they're not they're, they're not lied. kids anymore. Yeah, they're so it's, it's that kind of thing, like obviously they did do it with Peppa Pig where they kind of changed the voice, but you know, will mm. it be the same? Here here in the
1: States, there's a radio drama. That it's, it's rare to have a radio drama still going, but there's one called Adventures in Odyssey that's been going since 1987. And uh, uh, they've, they've cycled through kid characters about once every five years or so for that reason, because they the kid grows up. But then they've had older characters that are a central character of the show, uh, Mr. Whitaker, who's kind of that grandfatherly figure. And they've had three different actors play him um, because they've had people pass away who were, you know, the original voices of the of the actor. And so it's really wow. it's it's it's. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because in 87 and in the 88, 89, when they first introduced the character, he was a World War Two veteran. Um, and, oh, yes. and, and now the character is still going and you're like. How old is he? Yeah, wow. <laughs> so it's it's interesting. There are ways to get around it when you recast. And, but then, like, the logic of your show starts to fall apart a little bit uh, in yeah. terms of some details of it. So That's um, why
0: Doctor Who works so great. They just keep it. <laughs> that's, yeah. that <laughs> that's right. Well, well
2: it, there, it, there's ongoing conversation about uh, the house that the healers live in and the fact that um, the layout seems to change occasionally to fit whatever whatever antics are going on in the episode and um yeah there's a big doctor who parallel there that it's bigger on the inside um so yeah perhaps perhaps time traveling in the healer's world is the next step
1: (laughs) well it's interesting because my wife and I we were out this weekend and we talked to somebody in their 20s and she mentioned bluey uh, you know, uh, and, and I think it was about, I guess she was getting her phone upgraded actually. And she had all these episodes, of course, downloaded on her phone and she had to clear them out to, to get the replacement made. And, she, and so the, the lady at the Apple store said, oh yeah, I love Bluey, you know, and she, I don't have kids. No, I just watch it. And, and so that was rather surprising. But um, what would you say to folks maybe who haven't given this a try, who may have kids, who may not have kids? Um, why uh, should they consider giving, giving Bluey a chance?
2: Look, I think um, a couple reasons. One is it is the perfect length of time. Seven minutes is just, uh, you know, it can be the pep you need in the morning to get out the door. It can be the seven minutes you just need your kids to get sit still so you can, you know, get ha- get a shower. It can be anything that is just enough without um, without taking over your day, unless you really settle in to watch all hundred of episodes now. <laughs> but um, Also, it's just so much heart that comes from just a thoughtful, beautiful, caring place and that that comes through in the show and it's a positive place as well. I think, um, yeah, especially for anyone kind of trudging through the pandemic, if you want to be reminded of, well, life is beautiful, kids are beautiful um, and the the innocence and the imagination that's there if yeah tapping into that you can't go wrong
1: so well done yeah i think i think the wonder of it and uh, like you say the imagination it's just uh it really just helps you celebrate kids and life and uh you know the family parenting the struggles of parenting and uh, and realize that <laughs> oh. you know uh there are people who relate to what you're going through so it's it's a wonderful thing so well it's been an interesting one we we got to do this live from the Eastern U.S., from England, from Australia, this was really something. So, <laughs> glad we can all coordinate like- our schedules.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the United Nations going yeah. on here. <laughs> That's right,
1: Roger. I know you've got the business to, to to give us all at the end. But thank you, thanks so much, Mary, for uh, for coming on and, and doing this. And uh, hopefully, we'll do it again when
2: season three drops. Oh, pleasure chatting josh and roger thanks for having me thank you much and yeah mary do
0: you want to just do another quick plug for uh, the podcast everyone knows where they can find uh, you guys
2: i would l- love to uh yeah look we've talked for a long time about bluey believe it or not our gotta be done uh the bluey podcast talks even longer about a seven minute episode every time we're recapping uh you can find it um wherever you get your podcasts just search gotta be done We're on all the socials. You can find us at Bluey Podcast on Twitter or at Bluey Pod on Insta. Um, And, yeah, our website is just www.blueypod.com
0: that was a that was a definite flashback to back to my travel backpacking around Australia. So you can get us at ww uh, I just remember it's like that just took me back there. Yeah but yeah so uh, you, as per usual good you on can, you
2: mate good <laughs> on you
0: yeah. yeah we can obviously check us out over at ww uh, dot com and you can find us on all the socials and on that note guys thank you very much for joining us we'll see you guys soon later take
2: care bye
0: I'd like to thank all of our Patreon and YouTube channel members for their support. You can become a member from as little as $2 a month and you get access to our weekly Q&A and much more.